It's Friday night, and your work week is over. Kick back and get the latest on the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! The 10, the 5, a pick 6 for the Colts. Get up to speed on the Colts and the NFL, starting now. And he walks into the end zone. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome in, Colts Happy Hour, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today, make every moment count. Chris Hagan, JMV here with you. Live at the Ale Emporium on a Bud Light Blue Friday where Black Orchid, Wild Orchid had, uh, what's her name? Remember Wild Orchid, the band? Wild Orchid had, uh, what's her name in the Black Eyed Peas? Fergie. Fergie. was a re- Look up Wild Orchid. Two incredibly hot I thought hot that was chicks. a movie, too, Wild Orchid. It was, too, with Mickey Rourke and Carrie Otis, who was... <laughs> I better not get into that on this show right here, but I know what I'm talking about right there. That's Wild Orchid, the film. But, no, burning question, Chris. We'll start right here. Ale Emporium, Castleton, Bud Light, Blue Friday. We're going to give away tickets to the Commanders-Colts game for you coming up in just a minute. Colts won last week. Large part, Matt Ryan, 58 attempts. Third most franchise history, those 42 completions, Chris. You talked about earlier, a franchise record. Can the offense continue to win that way? Where is the happy medium? Well, Jonathan Taylor coming back now, help out this team. Ba- question, balance. You, you need balance. I don't think you can win that way week in, week out. I think you need to run the ball and sprinkle in the pass, the quick passes, the play-action passes predicated on success in the running game. And to that end, you really love to see JT, the reigning NFL rushing champ, back in a big game where both teams are going to try to run the football and eat some clock. Since Frank Reich started coaching the Colts, they're 6-15 and 15 when they attempt – at least 40 passes in a game. 6-15. and 15. This season, they are 2-0-1 over that number. They flip the script. Usually, if you throw a lot of passes, it's because you fall behind early. You're playing catch-up the whole game. Colts did fall behind last week, 14-3. Had to play catch-up then. Had to play catch-up and take the lead in the fourth quarter. As Frank said, you, you do what you need to do. There are different ways to win games, things that are called upon. That was the case last week. A lot of passes. Uh, no huddle. I don't think that will be the recipe for success the rest of the way, but it is interesting to see how those trends have changed. As for Matt Ryan's career, when he throws over 40 or more passes, um, 27-49 and 1, 40-plus. Goes to show you, if you're throwing a lot, things aren't going well, you're playing catch-up, sometimes, you know, that's what fantasy players love. Fantasy football players love to see their uh, receivers losing big because then they're catching a lot of passes. But, yeah, you want to you want to stick to the game plan. You want to establish the run and mix in some passes. Certainly don't want to be throwing it almost 60 times Sunday down in Nashville. Colts Happy Hour continues on again from the Ale Emporium on a Bud Light Blue Friday. i got to thank our friends from Zinc, Jim Jr., and the gang for just being fantastic each and every Friday with us, our friends at Bud Light. And Ale Emporium in Castleton is an awesome place. We'll start giving away those tickets in just a second. But as we start every single Colts happy hour, the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, and his conversation with head coach Frank Reich. Matt. All right, thank you, JMV. It's time now for the head coach's report with head coach Frank Reich here on Colts Happy Hour. And coach, obviously coming off that win over the Jaguars, the team played with control and poise down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Where is this team right now? You've won two games in a row. Where's the team right now in terms of confidence going into this very important game, division game against the Titans? I I do think the team is confident. I do think we understand this is a week-to-week league. Mm-hmm. You need to prove it every week. But we have beat, you know, two two good teams, particularly two 
really good defensive teams and uh, and good teams overall. So, um, and we know that's what we're facing this week against the Titans. But I do think the confidence level is high. Yeah, Tennessee's won four straight games over the Colts. They've won the division two years in a row. You certainly respect the Titans, as you said earlier. You know they've earned your respect. H- how is the team viewing this game? What what is the mindset knowing what Tennessee represents and the challenge they've been for you here as of late? I, I think it's this is what we as competitors competitors live for mm-hmm. you know you're going up against the defending AFC South champs yeah um, this is what our goal is right so what else do you want I mean we're in the position we want to be in um, we have an opportunity to take the lead in the AFC South by beating them on their own turf so I think we understand the challenge before us, but I think everyone's looking forward to it. One guy I want to highlight specifically going into the game is, is Rodney McLeod. You know, he was a guy that was brought in in free agency. He was primarily running with the twos during training camp, and he's a 10-, 11-year vet, and he handled that with a lot of class and a lot of professionalism. And then in week three, you know, you, you leaned on his experience going into Kansas City trying to you know, slow down Patrick Mahomes, and then he hasn't left the starting lineup since. What is he meant for the stability in the secondary and just what he brings in the passing defensive game? Well, when Rodney was available, uh, that was an easy discussion for Chris Ballard and I. Obviously, I was with Rodney in Philadelphia. And when Chris asked me about him, I mean, I was like, oh, man, we got to get this guy. I'm just telling you, this guy is not only uh, an excellent football player, but he is a bona fide star leader. Mm -hmm. You know, he just has a presence about him. He's a great teammate a great team player I just really think he's helped settle our defense down um, very poised um, just very intentional very uh, intense as a person Mm -hmm. so really excited about the contribution Rodney's making. You know, one thing going into this game that that stood out to me is if you look at Tennessee and the splits in terms of of when they play well versus w- when they're trying to hold on, if you will, they're they're plus thirty five in the first half and minus fifty seven in the second half. So they've been a fast starting team. They've gotten off to hot starts. Do you do you put much stock into that? How much weight do you put on that going into this game facing them for the second time? Well, I mean, you know, we look at it, you know, really it comes down to play-by-play, series-by-series. Right. So what it tells you about them, though, that their offense has been very good on opening drives. Um, I think they've scored a touchdown in four out of the five Mm -hmm. games that they've had. Um, So they've done a really good job there. So, you know, you talk about that as a defensive staff and, you know, what are we going to do? How how are we going to handle that? What's their formula? Can we unlock the key to their formula, the success that they've had? So um, I'm confident Gus and the guys have been working on that all week. Uh, He and I have talked about it a little bit, you know. um, So and then uh, they've done a good job on defense early in games as well. So and and we've been slow starting on offense. So it'd be a great shot in the arm, right, to start this game out fast on both sides of the ball. Yeah, no doubt about that. Also, Tennessee, as you've alluded to, they they do not make mistakes. They only have six turnovers on the season, no turnovers in the last two games. And over the course of of the recent pass between the Colts and Titans, how much have turnovers gone in deciding who wins these games? That's been a big deal. I mean, the turnovers have been a big deal, as they normally are. Uh, Usually the two biggest – 
The two biggest stats in my mind that impact the game, there's a lot, but if you had to put your finger on two, it's turnovers and it's uh, the quarterback rating of each quarterback. And the reason quarterback rating is because that's such a team stat. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that go into that. But we look at those numbers every week. And, you know, if you win the – if your quarterback has a higher quarterback rating than that, than theirs, and if you win the turnover battle – Man, yeah, you're. I mean, you're going to win a very, very high percentage of the time. Yeah. So, what does that mean? We got to protect our passer. We got to be efficient, and, and we got to affect negatively affect their passer. And then we got to win the turnover battle. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee again. They're they're not explosive on offense. I mean, if you just watch the film, they don't have a huge number of 25 gains in the passing game and things like that. But they are 12 for 13 in the red zone, so they don't miss chances, right? And they've converted 11 straight chances inside the 20-yard line. Why are they so good and efficient inside the 20? Well, one thing is they run it well. You yeah. know, I mean, most of the teams that are good in the red zone run the ball in the red zone. And they've done a good job. And they do just enough in the pass game and some of the play-action game um, when they're down there, like you said, to be effective. You know, we have a – you know, we have a – our defense, we, we talk about, hey, I need at least two stops in the red zone. You know, we need at least two, t- at least two, um, and that'll be a big that'll be a big factor in this game. And defensively, Tennessee not so great against the pass, but top five against the run. I mean, they've only allowed eighty one rushing yards combined in the last two games. Is it scheme? Is it players? What makes them so good at slowing down teams' bread and butter? It's a little bit of both. I mean, they have an excellent scheme. Um, that's been proven over the years they've been there but they do have they're they're, they're really good up front you mm-hmm. know um they're really good up front they got good linebacker play their secondary players are good tacklers uh, they do they're good crack replace that you know they're good gap integrity so yeah. They have a good scheme. All right, Coach. On the road, huge game, rematch of uh, Tennessee and Colts round number two. Your keys to this game for the Colts to win it. Yeah, Matt. I mean, uh, actually just kind of alluded to it earlier, right? The turnover thing, that's got to be one. Um, the, the quarterback rating thing, you know, like you said, it's not explosive, but the quarterback rating includes touchdown passes for them and interceptions for them. So sure. we got to get that thing turned in the right direction. And then same thing for us. We That has to be a positive outcome for us. And if I had to put my finger on one other thing, I would say it's going to be red zone on both sides of the ball. You know, because of how good they are in the red zone, we got to get our share of stops. And then we got to continue the trend that we had last week when we were three out of four in the red zone. We got to continue that trend. No doubt about it. That's head coach Frank Wright before the Colts take on the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Coach, thanks so much for the time, and best of luck. Thanks, Matt. There it is right there on Colts Happy Hour. Matt Taylor, head coach Frank Reich, Centerpoint Energy, is a proud sponsor of the 2022 Coach of the Week program. This week's Coach of the Week, Brett Fox of Columbia City High School. The Class 4A number 9 Eagles defeating previously unbeaten and fourth-ranked Norwell 25-24. That got them the Northeast 8 Conference title. And to learn more about the program, or from Southern Indiana, the program, please visit Colts.com slash high school football today. Chris Hagan rejoins coming up on the other side. We'll double back to the burning question on this Colts Happy Hour Friday night. And inside football we go with radio analyst and former NFL coach Rick Venturi coming up on the other side as well. Remember, 6.30, your Pacer pregame coverage, 30 minutes of that, and then you've got the Spurs and the Pacers downtown at Cambridge Fieldhouse. But we'll get you there on Colts Happy Hour. We're live from the Ale Emporium in Castleton, a Bud Light Blue Friday, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
a full hour dedicated to Colts football. This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hi, this is Joe Elliott, head lead singer of Def Leppard. You're listening to Colts Happy Hour. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It didn't go, did it? Hey, that didn't make it, did it? What did you do a good it? Joe Elliott impression? I was trying to do one of those things where you say, Hi, I'm Joe Elliott from the band Def Except Leppard. Except he says, I'm Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. That would have been better. I should have had you do Exactly. Right you there. sound like a hick from Green County, but still. Yeah, no. That's kind of par for the course right there. By the way, the Colts Audio Network includes podcast, radio show, player interviews, so much more. iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you can download those podcasts. You also got them clear on SiriusXM utilizing the mobile app. All you have to do there is search Colts. Exclusive Colts radio, audio content, demand-wise, just for you. Stay up to date on the Colts on your schedule. Chris Hagan rejoins us now, Ail Emporium and Castleton on a Bud Light Blue Friday. This is Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The burning question is, how are they going to handle the offense? They're going to take a lot of aspects of what we saw against Jacksonville to Nashville or leave some of that in the dressing room? I think you, you build on what the success you had, but you – you went into battle without some of your key weapons, you know. And in football, they always like to say next man up, but in reality, you want to have your best man up, and that's what you're going to have when you see how many guys are back. So many people off the injury list, obviously uh, on the defensive side of the ball, no Shaquille Leonard, but on offense, getting healthy, they seem to have got the line somehow uh, figured out at least for the time being. So go out there, establish a run, don't lean as heavily on the pass, and if you if you stay in a one-score game or get a lead, you're not going to have to throw the ball so much. You're not going to be playing catch-up, and you especially don't want to do that on the road. Did you watch Blankenship kick field goals last night? For Hot the rod. He's back. Hot rod. Buried a 50-yarder. Booted the 50-yarder, then missed an extra point. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that is the hot and cold rod. That is. That is. That's him. That was uh... – Rodrigo Blankenship kicking for the Cardinals on Thursday night football last night. Meantime, more on the Colts. Right now, we're going to bring in the former NFL coach and, of course, a part of that duo in the booth radio-wise. Rick Venturi, of course, will break things down for this matchup coming up in Nashville with the Titans on Sunday. He and Matt Taylor talk it up now. Matt, go ahead. Take it away. All right, thank you, JMV. Let's talk X's and O's on Inside Football here on Colts Happy Hour. I'm Matt Taylor with Rick Venturi, and let's talk about the blueprints for the Colts to win this game. Let's start first with the Tennessee offense, which has been much better in the first half compared to the second half. Rick, in fact, they've only scored 14 second-half points all season, which is dead last in the NFL, but that hasn't stopped them from winning football games, and they've won three in a row. So the overall numbers Uh, On offense, they're not going to blow you away. 21st in rushing, 28th in passing, 31st in overall yards, and 25th on third down. But where they win and how they win, that's inside the red zone. They're number one in the NFL in red zone efficiency. They are 12 for 13 in scoring touchdowns inside the 20-yard line, and they've converted their last 11 red zone trips into touchdowns. So they're not an explosive team but they don't miss chances to score. And they also don't turn the football over and no turnovers in the last two games. They only have six on the season and Ryan Tannehill is doing what Ryan Tannehill does. He takes what the defense gives him. He keeps the Titans on schedule and his 106.1 passer rating in the last three games ranks fourth in the NFL in that time. And they always have Derrick Henry. He's back. He's turned uh, and and back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. He's found the end zone in four straight games. He had a great first half against the Colts a few weeks back. 
He had 99 yards rushing before halftime at Lucas Oil Stadium. So uh, that's the gist for me, Rick. What else am I missing about the Titans on offense going into this game? In terms of the must, uh, number one, you know, it doesn't take a genius on this one. You have to control Henry. He's going to get yards, but you got to make him get his yards over high volume. You know, you really don't want him at four two. You want at five two. You want him more three nine four zero. He and you know he has deceptive speed, so you always have to set the edge. You know, we saw him bounce one uh, in the first game where the corner lost a leverage and he was able to take it outside. We saw him a couple years ago or last year run a toss crack to our to our right for a big play. So you have to really set the edge and then penetrate with your defensive front. You don't want to stay stationary on the line. You want to go get him and then define it for your linebackers so your linebackers can go pin him, pursuit, and beat him up. You always want him going lateral. You always want those shoulders running to the sidelines. You never want him to get downhill on you. you got to punish him. Uh, now, I think that uh, Todd has done a really good job we saw it in our game. That's where it really started in trying to get him space with the screen game. You know, he ran that mm-hmm. sway screen. They ended up calling it a run, but it was really a sway screen for a big play against us, and then he ran a slow screen for about 15. And so kind of that's their way. He's in the check down game. You know, but at the end of the day, take away the big running game from him. Don't let him get the big day. Number two, we got to take away Tannehill's, I'll say this first, his wheels and his ability to throw those play-action passes. And that's where if you could stifle the run, they become less effective. Now, Tannehill is a really good athlete, and he'll test you on the boots. And one of the reasons they're so good in the red zone is he's a guy that can get down in there, and you've seen it against us. He'll run a quarterback draw. He'll run the, he'll run the zone read. He'll run an option. I mean, the guy is really good in his career. Uh, he has 25 rushing touchdowns, okay? So, I mean, this is, this is a guy that can – he adds a back – and I said this last week against uh, Lawrence. There are some similarities in their athleticism, and I said this last week. When you're in the red zone, you've got you've to, you've to consider Tannehill as another running back. You have to account for him. You cannot, you know, you cannot just treat him like a normal quarterback. And then again, I, you really, as you stop the run, you really want to shut off that inside passing game. And I think you got to play a little bit more man-to-man, which I don't mind. There's, these guys are not blistering fast at all. I think the receiver core is limited. Uh, I think you want to play some coverages like six buzz, where the weak safety comes down in the hole. He actually has the hook but he comes down from high so he can read that play action on the way down. Uh, second down, you want to get in your four matchups and choke everything because they just try to get back on you. And then I like edge pressure and five-man rush because the edge pressure uh, sets the edge on the running game and the bootleg game and gives you covers every lane in there. I wouldn't mind them playing a little sink. They don't do it by nature, but – we know how tough that can be against his own running team. Right. And then number three, I think, you know, everybody's got to know, just like I've described these guys, is you've got, you know, if in a critical situation you're going to direct your coverage technically, you're going to direct it to Woods. So everybody else, like if it's Kenny Moore, he's really got to study Phillips in the slot and know exactly how he runs those quick stuff. we got to know, 
you know, if it's Westbrook out there, you know, that, that he's going to probably go deep on you. Same thing, gimmicks with the tight end. Like, we should have known that Agnew was going to run. I reversed last week. I mean, right off the bat, that was going to happen. And and I think the point I'm making is on some of these other guys, we have to ha- we have to play a really good game one-on-one. Our secondary and linebackers have to do a really good job. And then number four, and I think this is everything, is – you got to seize the advantage and kill their offensive line. You know, we got to win the one-on-ones across the board, whether it's run or whether it's pass. I think their left side is horrendous when it comes to pass. Left, ta- left tackle Daly mm-hmm. is a sub. You know, left guard Brewer. Uh, I and I, I'll say it. I, you'll not see a worse pass blocking line than this. And establishing that lead is so important, and then you can force Tannehill into turnovers. He didn't have a turnover in the first game because they played with that big lead. They almost let it get away, but the big lead allowed them to play super conservative for the rest of the day. I'll also note one thing. Hilliard, who is a very good player in space and a good third down back in terms of the passing game, is a below-average pass blocker, so don't be afraid to bring it on third down. So those are the four musts that I see. Again, you know, uh, bottle up Henry. Make sure that we can play Tannehill between the numbers. Uh, take away the other guys one-on-one. And then get the advantage and get after this offensive line. This is this is another one of those Baskin-Robbins take a number offensive <laughs> line. Take a number on which guy you want. Rick Venturi on Inside Football. I'm Matt Taylor. That is the Colts defense to slow down the Tennessee offense. Let's shift gears and roll out the blueprint to beat the Titans on defense. Tennessee, Rick, has jumped all the way up to number five in the NFL and stopping the run. Uh, They've allowed just 81 rushing yards in the last two games, including just 38 to the Colts a few weeks back, which was the lowest total the Titans have ever posted in a game against the Colts. However, Tennessee dead last in the NFL in passing defense. They've allowed at least 300 yards passing in four or five games on the season, including a season-high 359 to the Commanders last time out before the bye. So trying to get better in that regard, but they're pretty good on third down this season, ranking number two in the NFL. They held the Commanders to just one for 11, and the biggest area of concern is how to block Danico Autry, the former Colt. He wrecked the first game at Lucas Oil. He had two sacks and a forced fumble a few weeks back. So what else stands out to you about the Titans on defense and your must when the Colts have the ball, Rick? Yeah, the the run defense has really come on for him, and it really should because they really have a really fine front four. You know, Cole... Uh, Cole is a, is a really tough linebacker. Long is a tough linebacker. You know, and when they bring Bayard down into the action, I mean, that's a really good front seven. I mean, I, I think it, that their stats, and we talked about this, they, they were a little bit distorted by that Buffalo blowout. I think they're starting to be real. And I <clears throat> I think you always have to go by what they did against us. And as you said, that they held Jonathan 2.1, and that made all the difference. This is This is a team that plays... I think the whole is greater than the parts. It plays situational football, and that's their salvation. They play so much better when they're in the head of the count. Look at the areas they're really good at. Like you said, number two on third down and 27% against. That's terrific. But, again, they're ahead in the count. They got you third and long. Boom, they got you. 14, 14th in sacks. So, It isn't great, but it's top half of the league with 2.6 a game. 
and then they end up they end up playing better pass coverage in the red zone because again their limitations really do get limited in that there's no space to defend and I think their secondary plays better in tight quarters. So, I mean, I think the thing about it is you want to stay out of advantage. And, you know, as you said, this may be a game that's a little bit similar to last week. I don't think two games are necessarily the same. But you you can't be stubborn against this team, and they're very, very tough up front. I do think you can run it some, and I'll get into the, I'll get into the must. I think when you do run it, what you I think you're much better off, and I said this last week and I think it held up, is you, you, you want to open the formations against Tennessee to run against them, just like Jacksonville. And that's where sometimes that no huddle comes in and you keep them in one defense. But they tend to play, on, especially on first and second down, they tend to play very vanilla in their nickel defense. It's almost always over. It's some kind of eight-man front or cover four. And so you can work the bubble, and which also really works away from Simmons. I, I do kind of want to work the bubble away from Simmons most of the time, and I want to make my money there. But I don't want to get in tight formations. It just seems, and this is true over the years. I, I don't know why, but when teams try to run it in heavy formations, it just seems like that you got all of Nashville up in there, and they seem to be able to really stop that. So I say open it up a little bit. Make sure you open it up. Don't be afraid to get outside and get your toss crack going, and then a little bit of misdirection on Cole. Now, number two, and this is important, just like last week, this might be a heavy throwing game, okay? you got to run a lot of play action where you freeze their linebackers in that front seven. I'm going to make a statement here. This team, when they play defense, they survive on the rush, Matt, not on coverage. They are not a good coverage team, whether it's man or zone. They have some issues. I'll get into their man issues, but their zone issues is they, they, they run a lot of blitz and drop stuff, and a lot when that means a lineman drop and a linebacker rush, which is good on the blackboard. But when you're dropping linemen, your zones get really distorted. And as good an athlete as Cole and Long is, they tend to get distorted. They tend to get out of position, particularly with any kind of play fake, because they go so hard to the run. So I really think you can attack them inside on, on play action crosses. You know, if you remember, our tight ends in that last ball game got had 11 catches for 180 and two touchdowns. I mean, we, we scorched them with our tight ends on those intermediate areas. And then when you want to take a shot, you want to get Pierce. You want to get Pierce over there on Mitchell, their third corner. So you really kind of want to get them in nickel. And then 39 Mitchell comes in the game. McCurry goes to the the nickel spot. And I think the weakest link in the secondary um, is Mitchell. And I think you have to work on him and take your shots outside. It's uh, Rick Venturi right there with Matt Taylor. This is a part of Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We're at Ale Emporium at Castleton, Bud Light Blue Friday. Got two more pair of Commander's Colts tickets to give away. Black Orchid's on stage a little bit later on. If you guys are coming out here, you can check it out. By the way, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines look to be good to go on Sunday. We did find out earlier today that Shaquille Leonard and Quiddy Pay will not play coming up on Sunday 
Chris in uh, Tennessee. Now, Deion Jackson, who I'm going to talk to, I talked to earlier this week, and we're going to replay that coming up in a minute, had really two nice games until that injury against Jacksonville on Sunday. The job that he did, and might there be a snap or two, even with both Naheem I don't. I don't think they're. Taylor coming. Back? I don't think there'll be that many opportunities for him because you have you have the the run between the tackles guy. Then you have the you know coming out of the backfield maybe swinging the pass guy and Naheem. Uh, but he did what he was supposed to do. You want your your backup to come in there and not drop off. He put up some great numbers. Found his way into the end zone, and it's nice to have that card to play maybe down the road when you're going to need a guy uh, here or there. Uh, a guy gets dinged up maybe just in the game. Uh, you can yeah. throw him out there for a series. It's nice to know he can be counted on. So Chris Hagan of Fox 59 JMV here. More of Colts Happy Hour on the other side. My conversation with Colts running back Deion Jackson, who had a really fine couple of games. We'll do that coming up on the other side. Pacers, Spurs, that is coming up for the pregame show at the bottom of the 6 o'clock hour. Tip time from Gamer Fieldhouse coming at you. That is at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow night with a JMV takeover, I'll explain. Colts pregame huddle coming up on Sunday morning, beginning at 10 a.m. I'll explain. And then on the road at Buffalo Wild Wings on a blue Monday for you as well. All three solid explanations coming up next. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to the Colts Happy Hour. We're getting you in the know on the Colts heading into the weekend. Alan Poyan, Bud Lights, Blue Friday, Hagen, JMV. And if you missed it earlier this week, played two good games, got injured with the quad, but he is good to go for Sunday, Chris. Deion Jackson played well, no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely uh, proved himself worthy, catching passes out of the backfield, finding the end zone, running tough in between the tackles. And it's nice to know you have that uh, on the roster because, as we know in this league, It'll come into play down the line. Caesar Sportsbook, a proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts and doing a good job the past couple of games at running back, Deion Jackson. Here's our conversation from a couple of days ago. You have seen him play running back the past couple of Colts games and play really well. Let's uh, introduce everybody and find out a little bit more about Colts running back, Deion Jackson, who joins us again via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Deion, thank you for the time. How are you doing? Hey, no problem, man. I'm doing good. How are you? Fantastic and fantastically done the last two weeks. How'd you feel coming off that Thursday game and that extended week when you played this past Sunday? Did you feel feel pretty good starting the game? Um, yeah, actually, I, I, I felt really good. Um, that time, that time off that we had from the Thursday game really, really helped out a lot. Um, you know, I had a lot of time to um, just take care of my body. You know, get some some prehab things kind of worked out and everything like that. So, I mean, that was good for me. Um, you know, it had been a while since I played, what, 50 or whatever snaps. It's yeah. been a couple of years. So, <laughs> I kind of I kind of felt those plays. But, um, you know, going into the last game, I, I felt really good. Now, it was different in Denver, certainly on that Thursday night for you. And we can get back to that in a second. But how did you feel? Because not only you're talking about not playing that level of significant snaps in a while, but you were playing this this past Sunday against Jacksonville here at Lucas Oil Stadium in the no huddle. How did that do? It was was it was it somewhat exhausting? Because I know Michael Pittman Jr., your teammate, mentioned how exhausted he was after the game. How different is that than what you experienced in that Denver game? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, that was definitely a, a different uh, switch up. Something. I mean, it's kind of something that I I did a little bit in college, but it had, that was early on, like my sophomore year. It had been a while, so. I mean, making that switch from the the Denver game to uh, Jacksonville going to huddle, um, it was definitely kind of strenuous in practice. Um, that was 
Um, that was something that was big for us, going no huddle and practice and everything like that, trying to get used to it. So, I mean, going into the game, definitely a different beast. Um, definitely exhausting. You know, Pitt played more plays than me, but I, <laughs> I still felt it, though. Did you know over the week during practice, because your, your head coach Frank Reich had mentioned they, you guys were all in on that early in the week in leading up to that Jacksonville game. Could you see it all cohesion-wise, Dion, coming together as you went along during the week of practice last week? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we uh, going in, we kind of we kind of knew we were going to start the week off with that. Um, I mean, I just feel like uh, as as time went along, I mean, as practice went along, we kind of we got used to it. Um, we got used to the operation and everything like that, and it started to work out pretty smooth. Um, so we knew it was definitely going to be something that we can use in the game, and um, so like it worked to our advantage. So Deion Jackson of the Colts joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did, when you've got that really significant first playing time in that Denver game, did it take you a minute to dial yourself down or were you kind of running off those, those extra juices you got by being in that position? Um, I feel like I was just running off of those extra juices. Um, I'm, I don't think I really had uh, too much time, you know, trying to calm myself down or dial myself down or anything like that. Like, um, you know, Naheem's, Naheem's uh, injury kind of happened sporadically. Like it, it happened yeah. out of nowhere. So, kind of was just thrust into it and I didn't really have a chance to you know process anything or anything like that I was just kind of in the fire and I just had to I just had to get out there and go was it kind of an oh crap moment for you oh crap here I am or was it like <laughs> hey, this this is what I have practiced this is what I have played for this is this is my moment how did you feel when you first knew that you were up and here you go um I say a mix of both um yeah I would definitely say a mix of both um when it happened I definitely was like, oh crap! But then I like, I knew, I knew once, like when I ran in there, I knew I was ready. I knew I was, um, I was ready to get the job done, whatever was asked of me. It's uh, Dion Jackson. He is with us. Uh, so I, I'm assuming, how, how did you feel from the Denver game to the Jacksonville game? Even with you know the experience of practicing for that no huddle, which was completely different, did you feel like you had just a, a different level of confidence than you had when you were on the spot and had to enter the game as you did on that Thursday night in Denver? Definitely, uh, for sure. I, I definitely feel like I went into the, the Jacksonville game with a lot more confidence um, just based off of um, the game before. Um, yeah, I mean, going, to, I was definitely confident uh, for the Jacksonville game. I didn't really, I wasn't really nervous or anything like that. Um, I mean, I had some emotions and stuff like that just because it was my first start. But as far as going out there and executing, I didn't have any worries or anything like that. All right, when you scored that touchdown on Sunday, is that with that spike what you had in mind, or was that just uh, kind of living in the moment there? Nah, I am not gonna lie. I kind of, I kind of told myself the night before I was like, if I run somebody over for uh, and I score, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spike the ball as hard as I can. Who was that you ran over, by the way, right there? You kind of tattooed somebody there that tried <laughs> to to block your path. How many times oh, have you watched that run? Literally, probably at least a hundred. I love it. <laughs> You're literally in, probably 100 minutes should be playing on like a loop on a tv when you walk in your place honestly <laughs> <laughs> because i mean it was it seemed like it was one of those moments in the nfl which i'm sure happens often uh, it's either you or me and it's going to be me in this yeah, hole as we meet right was, here right that was definitely my mindset that was definitely how i was thinking i said we're gonna meet each other at the goal line i said <laughs> either you're going or i'm going i said i, I like myself the Angry Run Scepter Award from Kyle Brand on NFL Network. Yeah. Were you honored to receive that? Pretty fired uh, up for it? 
definitely. I was definitely um I was definitely happy to receive that. That was literally the first thing that I saw when I woke up yesterday morning. Um so I was I was definitely happy about that, especially because I, I seen J T win that last year. So for me to win it this year and bring it back to the room is definitely an honor. That's awesome right there too. Yeah. And, and for sure. you, that that run that run, like when the Colts have a highlight basically for the rest of the season now, that run is probably going to be <laughs> on most of them right there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, def- I'm definitely happy about that. Um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a proud moment for sure. You got an interesting background in and around Atlanta in high school at the Pace Academy, and I, I looked this up. There are some uh, professional athletes that came yeah. out of of your high yeah, school back sure. in the day. Yeah, for sure. Some of some of my close friends, man. Some of my close friends. How how um how good was the high school football team back when you were there? Um. We were pretty good. Um, our best year, I say my junior year, that was the year we won state. Um, from from that team, from my junior year team, it's actually four of us that are in the NFL right now. So it's me, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for the Giants. Um, Jamari Sellier, he's a rookie this year on the Chargers. He's right. actually playing left tackle right now. Oh, he was playing on Monday night a bunch. Yeah, for sure. And then our kicker, actually, Samuel Sloman, I think he just got signed by the 49ers or something like that. Like, So I think he's back in the league again. Now, so I think it's, he has four of us right now. Is that high school known in the Atlanta area for uh, for pumping out, you know, professional athletes, high-level collegiate athletes too? Actually, not really. Like, when I got there, I think the football program had literally just started five years prior to me getting to the school. Like, yeah, five years prior to my freshman year. So I think they started – varsity football in 2008 or 2009 and my freshman year was 2013 so i mean it was fairly new program we kind of just turned it up real fast yeah deon jackson right there the colts running back on colts happy hour as always the question of the week every week brought to you by form credit union you can visit form credit union's fan form section of colts.com you can interact with other fans online post a topic Participate in various discussions regarding the Colts Form Credit Union, helping members live their financial dreams. And Colts Happy Hour also brought to you by Meyer. Meyer, the official super center of the Colts and a proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams. Throughout the Midwest, Matt Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., other side, a little over 15 until we get you to the Pacer pregame. San Antonio on the Pacers, the second of three to start the season at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That's coming up at you at the bottom of the hour. This is Colts Happy Hour, Ale Emporium in Castleton. Hagen, JMV, back with you next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to the Colts Happy Hour. We're getting you in the know on the Colts heading into the weekend. We're at the Ale Forum. We're in Castleton. Hagen, who sings this song that's playing right here on Colts Happy Hour? It's um, a famous line from Chips. Is it Stone Temple Pilots? It is not. Is it uh, Eric Estrada? It is not. Seven Mary Three. Seven Mary Three. Because Eric Estrada and Larry Wilcox... Seven, Mary three, and four. Did you know that Chris right Pine, room room. Chris Pine's dad was the uh, yes, Sergeant. The, the, yeah, the Sergeant. <laughs> you know his name. <laughs> what a nerd. Joseph Cotrere is who that was. Robert Pine back in the day. There you go. Chips, there right you there. go. Um, Matt Taylor, quick one right here. Conversation with somebody I like a great deal. I think you know that. And. When he has a really good game, normally that means really good things for this Colts team wide receiver, Michael Pittman Jr. Matt, 
First of all, Michael, congratulations on a career-high game the other day against the Jaguars. Obviously, the passing game was the focus of the offense, but did you feel it could be a, a big game for you? Yeah, I mean, every game like I go in and I'm expecting to have a big game, um, and it just happened mm-hmm. to be the way that it happened, you know, uh, 13 catches for however many yards. Uh, so, like, it was a great, like, team win and uh, happy that I could be, like, a part of it. I mean, Matt Ryan, certainly, he was in the zone. I mean, oftentimes in his career, he's been in the zone. But 58 passes, 42 completions. Did you just see a little bit extra out of Matt Ryan in terms of accuracy and pinpointing the football against Jacksonville? Uh, I mean, I think that that is just Matt, and he just got an opportunity to throw it 50-something times. Mm -hmm. I think that he could go out there and he could do it again and week after week. Um, Now, obviously, we probably don't want to throw the ball like that many times. I mean, that's like a lot of of throws like for him and for any – QB so Mm -hmm. uh, some games we're going to have to go in and throw it to win and some games we're going to have to run it to win and we had to throw it to win last game. What did that game do for the offense's confidence? I mean shut out against a team in week two and then to come back a month later and and put up 34 points a season high 34 points. Mm -hmm. What did that do for the confidence and the momentum of the offense? Absolutely I mean it's just good that we could show that we could win games too um, because defense has been playing lights out and we've really been like leaning on them and it's nice that they could lean on us last game and show them hey like we're here Mm -hmm. too you know what I'm saying like we're like here to help too that's Michael Pittman Jr. with us what's the atmosphere of the team this week coming off that win we know about what Jacksonville did to the Colts the previous two games Mm -hmm. Is the atmosphere a little bit looser, a little bit more light, knowing you got a little bit of a monkey off your back? You did do some things well against Jacksonville? I mean, like I wouldn't say, say that because we're still not where we want to be. We're not where mm-hmm. we thought we'd be. So we're really going in with a 1-0 mindset, and uh, we're just focused on this like next game. Yeah. And we're not really thinking about last game because last game doesn't really matter now. Going back to the offensive approach, again, the 13 catches for you, the 58 attempts for Matt Ryan, that was up-tempo, that was up-pace. How, how much, how taxing is that on you throughout the course of a game when you're going that fast? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely taxing like on us, but it's more taxing on the uh, defense sure. who isn't used to running that tempo, who isn't used to playing – 80 something snaps or uh, however many snaps like there was so Mm -hmm. um, it definitely works in our favor yeah Matt Ryan's got the three fourth quarter game winning drives this season already Mm -hmm. we always hear about Matty Ice right it's alive and well but you see it every day what does that mean what what is he like in the huddle on the field in the fourth quarter when the game's on the line I mean, he just never panics, man. It, it's just like he's just always stone cold, just <laughs> ready to win, the ultimate competitor. Like, I've never seen him flustered. I've never seen him panic. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just is all about his work and and goes to work, like, when we need it the uh, most. You know, one, one of your favorite guys on this team, no doubt, Absolutely. is Alec Pierce. You know, Matt Ryan and Alec Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about Alec that makes him seem like a – a five-year guy instead of a five-game guy. Yeah, I mean, I think that it is the way that he works and resilient. Like, he doesn't let things get him down because, like, you know how some, like, mm-hmm. young players, like, will, like, have a bad route or have a bad rep and they kind of, like, get down. I mean, he's just, like, next play, next play, next play. Like, whether it's a good play or bad play, like, he's, like, next play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really helps him perform, like, in those big-time 
plays and those moments. Like last game, we seen him catch like a game-winning touchdown. So I mean, like if he can keep that up, um, like which like I think that he will. I mean, like we're going to be looking pretty good yeah. here for the next couple of years. So and and how much has Reggie Wayne? accelerated his growth absolutely i mean reg just knows everything about like he's just played it all and mm-hmm. he played for 14 years and he knows everything about being like a outside guy and and he just gives us insight that you can't get from other coaches because they didn't play the game or they didn't play the game to his level so like we get a ton of insight from him and like he's a great coach yeah. to have no, it's it's great for this offense to get 13 catches from yourself or 10 catches from Deion Jackson, but this offense is not about one guy. I mean, yeah. at least seven different players in every game for the Colts have caught a pass. Mm-hmm. How much pressure does that put on the defense? How tough is that on the defense when, when the Colts are clicking – a lot of guys are getting involved. Absolutely. I mean, because if you key in like on somebody, then everybody else is going to just just eat so Mm -hmm. so that basically works to our benefit because you can key in on one guy you can on two guys and then Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of other guys out there who are going to make those big plays so so like it makes it really hard like on defenses because they can't cover the whole field there it is right there michael Pittman jr matt taylor it is colt's happy hour all right, quick break, right, Kyle? We want to come back. We want to make sure. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Me and Hagen, final time, Ale Emporium, Colts Happy Hour, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to the Colts Happy Hour, an inside look at the Colts on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hagen, what Metallica song is this? Go! It's that uh, hard uh, rocking uh, one. Uh, uh, sad but true. Not a Metallica fan. Welcome back, Colts Happy Hour, Ale Emporium. We're in Castleton, Bud Light Blue Friday. Had an absolute great time. Thank you to Cam and Owen, the on-site engineers. Kyle Unimark, a great job as usual back in the studio. I love seeing Sarah and Mac here as well. Chris Hagan, JMV for a final time. Curious, Hagan, thoughts on Sunday? Give yourself some love on a little pregame show. I'm sure you guys are right. We're going to have uh, the Blue Zone pregame show, 1130 CBS4. We'll find out which Colt. The other Colts would not like to box. That's yeah. our big question. And I think the big question Sunday is, can the Colts try to regain control of this AFC South? It's been through their fingers since 2014. If you want to win the division, you have to win Sunday. It's going to be a close game. I hate to say it. I think the Titans are going to win. I'd love to be proven wrong. The uh, analytics bear out right now that if the Colts win, 50% chance, chance of winning the division. If they lose, those chances go to 20%. So, I mean, that and the fact that the most of the AFC South schedule is already in the books, I mean, it really does prioritize this game without question. You're guaranteed a losing record in the division if you don't win on Sunday, and it's a long road to hoe when you think about quickest way to the playoffs, win your division, you get at least one home playoff game, and that's what you got to have an eye for. Only a third of the way through the season, but like you said, almost completely done with Division games, you got to take care of business on Sunday. No question about that. All right, coming up, speaking of that, you got game two on the season with the Pacers and the Spurs. Your pregame show, beginning with Pat Boylan, is coming straight at you right here at the bottom of the hour. And uh, then you got San Antonio and the Pacers coming up at 7 o'clock for you. JMV takeover tomorrow night, B105.7 live in studio. That is going to be from 6 until midnight. Colts pregame huddle with me coming up on Sunday. And Bill Brooks in studio, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. That is at 10 a.m. Pacer pregame is up next. San Antonio and the blue and gold for you on your home of the Pacers. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Enjoy the game.